Hi everyone, I'm Vivia. And I'm Amanda. And this is How Did We Get Here, our podcast. It's about a lot of things, but mainly every episode, our engineer Lewis gives us a topic. And Amanda and I create a story that starts as far away from said topic as possible. And by the end, we get to the topic. City-state. Lewis, you want to give us our definition? (laughs) City-states. Webster's Dictionary defines them as an autonomous state consisting of a city and surrounding territory. So Amanda's going to start, right? Wait, are we just jumping into it that fast? As opposed to? I don't know. Divya, how's your day? I woke up in the worst mood ever because Amanda made me watch Insidious last night, and I had a good time. But then all the ghosts followed me home. There's no ghosts. Did we watch the same movie? They're just... They're not really ghosts. Okay, there's spooky things. Red Demon Man. All right. Amanda is trying to get me to use the right words for my terrifying fear. Yes. Paranormal. All right. Anyway, Insidious, great movie. 10 out of 10 would recommend. If you like horror, it's solid for the horror genre. If you don't like horror, sleep well and don't watch the movie. You can sleep well and watch the movie. Uh, um, no. Yes. No, you can't. I need to be louder. I need to be louder. I'm so sorry that I said it out loud. <laughs> This you regret take, that immediately. This is going to take a second to adjust to. <laughs> um, okay, so yeah, I guess we can jump into my story, and then I can explain... Wait, no, tell me about your day. What? Are you asked me about my day. I shared. Share about your day. Um, okay, I woke up. Mm. I ate ramen because I'm dysfunctional. <laughs> My family's gonna listen to this and they're gonna know that I ate ramen for breakfast. Uh, it, that, yeah, I, I made my notes. I watched The Sopranos. Uh-huh. Solid show. Very good show. Okay. Yeah. I really... Ooh. Uh, Are you okay? I hate to bring it to you. But with my story, your family's going to figure out I'm Indian. So if your family's going to listen to this, we've just lost that card. Whatever card we were holding about me being white, we're going to lose it this podcast. Okay, it's fine. Whatever. All right. So you had ramen? What else did you do? I said my thing. I had Sopranos. ramen. I watched Sopranos. I did these notes. I thought of this. Genius idea. Huh. She's it was her non-existent hair, just so everyone knows that's what the huh sound It's not was. non-existent. It's in a bun. It's non-existent. Oh my god. If I can't see it, it doesn't exist. That is... Baby Lucy has better object permanence than you do then. Yeah, I know. <laughs> what was the point? You have to call me out on this podcast? I do. Mm. All right. Tell me your story. Okay, first off, I have to start it with something that's going to make Luke cringe. Happy birthday, Mr. President. I've never heard someone sing so breathy. Did you see that the new Anna de Armas Marilyn Monroe movie's out? I I didn't know this was a thing. Well, there's an Anna de Armas movie. Thank thank you. Where she plays Marilyn Monroe in a not-so-serious biopic. And the reviews I've read about it right so far are just like, oh my god, 
poor Marilyn. She was already so exploited in life. I can't believe, I'm glad she's not alive to see this movie. It was a review I read. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of rough. And it was like in the New Yorker, the New York Times. It was like in my New York Daily Briefing. <laughs> oh no, I haven't been reading my New York Daily Briefing. Mm, how will we know if the Buccaneers <laughs> ever made it back from their injured lineup? Have we? We haven't told this story. No, you want to tell it? Yes, I am going to tell it. Um, so Divya and I, we're not we're not sports people. We really don't understand sports at all in any way, shape, or form, or have any interest in understanding said sports. So I thought it was really interesting one day when our roommates Austin and well my significant other Luke were chatting, and my sound engineer Luke. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, they were chatting about football, and Divya all of a sudden just goes, yeah, I heard a lot of the Buccaneers are injured right now. And then I walked up to her and said, oh, yeah? Did you read that in the New York Times Daily Briefing? <laughs> yep, so I take my sports, in, sports news periodically, one <laughs> sentence at a time, from whatever the person who writes a daily briefing decides to tell me. Would you say you take it periodically from a periodical? No, what was I going to tell you? That's not actually how that story went. She didn't go, oh yeah. She was like, oh yeah, I heard that too. <laughs> because she also only knew it from the New York Times daily briefing. You have to admit though, that was such a good call out. It was. <laughs> but I want you to know you were right there with me. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then a minute later, I was like, hey. Wait, how'd you know that? <laughs> okay, now tell me your story. Because she's been time. hyping it up for so long, guys. Happy birthday, baby oh, Lucy. Oh, this is where we started. <laughs> Happy birthday to you. Okay, so baby Lucy is turning one year old. So this is not a random baby. This it's is her not a random ne- baby. It's her niece. It's my nephew. <laughs> no, my niece. Um, what? Be louder. You just didn't see this oh, hand signal. The, the if I do it, that means I saw Luke do it because I actually think I can see this better than you can. Oh, yeah. I can't see anything. Um, Wait. Actually, before I jump into the story, my sources for today came from History.com, New York Times Archives, NPR and Mr. Lincoln in New York.org. I trust it because it says dot org. Everything else about it made no sense. Fantastic. <laughs> so you might be wondering what Baby Lucy has to do with all of these sources. Well, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you all about it. So, Baby Lucy, her birthday is on October 7th, which is why I'm saying happy birthday because this episode should come out two days after her actual birthday um and i who live in california cannot make it for baby lucy's first birthday party you're doxing us right now no one else knew where we were from before you said we're in california california is one of the biggest states we're gonna wake up there's gonna be paparazzi at the front door baby lucy lives in new york it's very expensive to travel for a weekend so I love her dearly, but I don't have money yet. Ashes docks baby Lucy too. <sighs> Happy birthday, baby Lucy. Happy birthday. You. And I miss you. And also happy birthday, Mr. Christopher, my brother. 
um, and soon-to-be birthday to his lovely, lovely wife and my sister-in-law, Elizabeth. Uh, their birthdays are all extremely close together. My brother's is the 6th, baby Lucy's is the 7th, and then Elizabeth's is the 20th, all of October. And, and then their wedding anniversary is the 21st of September. September. Yeah. So that's just like a lot of holidays all at once for that family. And they then they write... voluntarily. They crash land into Thanksgiving and then the holidays. It's like the end... After they hit like September, it's just fun times for that family. You mean they have nothing to celebrate for the rest of the year? They got other stuff. Valentine's Day, Easter. Yeah. But like their personal holidays, bam. <laughs> They celebrating them. They're binge watching that. <laughs> Fair enough. Anyway, I can't wait to see you all at Christmas. I love you so much. Baby Lucy, stay adorable. Yes. So, Lucy, the first child of my brother and Elizabeth, as I've kind of already said. And they are fantastic people. I am sure that I've told you this personally, but, like, they're straight up the world's premier power couple yeah i'm nodding just so so much insanity in their lives and yet they still manage to be perfectly functional it's terrifying um anyway did you just lose your train of thought no that was really i I love them dearly they're freaking power people Okay. They're so impressive, honestly. This is the first link to City State. It starts with your brother. Yeah. He's actually like a Machiavellian type, and no. (laughs) Not at all. Actually, they have a little cabin on an island. (laughs) That's that's a whole... Now, that kind of does relate into everything. Yeah. Interestingly. Anyway. What do I say? I level up your game, Amanda. I have to tell you more about Lucy. Because I love her so much. And she's so freaking adorable. Lucy, obviously, is under a year old right now. And yet, she gives me vibes that she is going to make tea for all the rest of us. You know what I mean? No, I just had the greatest image in the entire world (laughs) pop into my mind. Of a baby making tea? Yeah. It's like her little baby hands holding the tiny spoon, and it's the right size for her hands, but it would be small in our hands, and then she (laughs) grabs it with her fist and stirs the cup of tea. Oh my god. I feel emotional now. (laughs) Sorry, continue. I mean tea in the sense that she's going to give us the the tea The drama llama. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. First of all, this girl came into the world causing stress. Poor Elizabeth had to be hospitalized days before her actual due date. And, like, they had to induce her because of issues and it was madness. Mm -hmm. And she, like, it was on my brother's birthday because my brother's birthday is October 6th. Mm -hmm. That, no, she went to the hospital on October 5th, I think. I'm also not good at, like, remembering things, so bear with me. But brother's birthday, October 6th, Lucy came in just being like, no, you don't get birthdays anymore. This is me. My time. (laughs) As she should. As she should. But she was seriously, like, it would have worked out perfectly if she actually came on her due date. Because she basically would have been like, my brother's birthday, one week, Lucy's birthday, one week, Elizabeth's birthday. Mm. Lucy said, 
Nope. Uh-uh. Chaos. Shall reign. Fantastic. This child, oh my god, I love her so much. She loves attention. She wants everyone eyes on her all the time. She's like Zora. I know. She, like, will cry if you don't pick her up because she gets sad that no one's giving her attention. This sounds like a normal baby. This does sound like a normal baby, but I mean, like, you can be on the floor sitting with her and be like, it's playtime, and she'll be like, no, mm-hmm. it's time to hold me. <laughs> this is bunny. This, this is all of our cats. Yeah. This is actually just what my family does to people. <laughs> um, but yeah, she and, and she's just such a stunning child anyway that, like, all eyes should be on her. This kid is the Gerber baby. She Adorable. Really I know. She has such a fat face. I love it. I love it so much. Um, so is just this the, in your show notes? The I, I love her fat face? No, just the entire thing that you've been saying so far. No, I just have key bullets that are actually on here. Uh, um, so just a few fun facts I, about But Lucy. did you need those bullet points to say things about your family? I forget things regularly. But I just needed to write down the fun facts. Ah. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, she's so cute. So, my fun facts here are that she loves Sesame Street, especially if you sing the songs. She'll get, like, all excited. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So cute. <laughs> um, she also loves chewing on coasters, like cup coasters. Uh, her rice puff snacks, phones, and her jail what that's right she has a jail it's a playpen but my brother calls it a jail um and i started calling it a jail too fantastic yeah she gets upset when people aren't giving her enough attention like i said she also gets upset when people eat adult foods in front of her i remember this yeah she doesn't understand why can't she eat the good smelling things Mm -hmm. would you know what fair honestly i think it's rude yeah, but then she should have grown teeth faster. That sounds like it's on her. Wow. Sounds like it's on baby Lucy. Wow. It doesn't mean she's not frustrated about it. Okay. Then eat more calcium. I said what I said. Ugh. Terrible. I'm kidding. Well, I just want you to know where well. this baby is that I have not met. I think you're adorable. And I would try to find a way to give you delicious things if I could. Do you hear that, baby Lucy? You're adorable. I've been holding in so many F-words for you. <laughs> Just Finger so you heart. can listen to this at some point when you actually know the English language versus now where it kind of just comes out in a little, like, syllables. Um, so anyway, you may be asking yourself now, what does baby Lucy have to do with our topic? Yes, I was asking myself that. That's a good question. I've been asking myself that since you said the words Baby Lucy. That's a very good question to be asking yourself. Um, It's very important that everybody knows that Lucy is a city baby. She is growing up in New York City. And And New York is a state, so it's a city state. No! I am not that lame. Okay? All right. (laughs) There's a real story here. It's very important that everybody knows that both sides of my family have strong ties to New York. Um, 
her mom and dad both thank you her mom and dad both spent a long time growing up in new york and it's so weird for me to refer to my brother as a dad anyway uh and elizabeth's family has pretty long ties to new york that relate back to tammany hall politics do you know anything about tammany hall no did you study american history (laughs) I'm not trying to roast you, I promise. I, I'm feeling very <laughs> sure that that's the point of this line of questioning. <laughs> yes. Okay. It's, so this is... Okay. I unfortunately did graduate with both my high school bachelor's and master's degree. Both? Both. Many? Many? All of? Educated. What is education? Concrete jungle where dreams are made of. Okay, so at this point, I, like, don't have the full, full story. Um, I know that Elizabeth's lovely family has, like, told me this many times. I have a terrible memory and didn't give myself enough time to reach out to anyone and ask questions. But from what I do know, Elizabeth's great-grandfather was a politician with ties to Tammany Hall. Um, This would be Lucy's great-great-grandfather. So, you know. What is Tammany Hall? Uh, Tammany Hall was a New York City political organization that existed from 1789 to 1967. So, very long time there. Um, They were primarily supported by the Democratic Party. I don't know if that was true, like, when it was first founded, because I honestly don't know when the Democratic Party started. But by like... From like the beginning of the United States, no? No. No. Like at least when Lincoln was a thing. So somewhere between the first and 16th president. Well, yeah, but that's after the 1789. When was the United States? 1796. Okay. Yes, I did study American U.S. history. So Tammany Hall, like, from its origins, basically acted as a, like, social security type of thing that wasn't actually sponsored by official government anything. Yeah. Um, so they supported the people of New York that couldn't afford to survive on their own. So by the time that there were a lot of Irish immigrants that were coming to New York City, a lot of them got very involved with Tammany Hall. And, yeah. Like, as people who give out the money or as people who receive the money? Yes. All of the above. Okay. So, Irish immigrants, or I guess Irish Americans at that point, got super involved in New York City politics once, like, they were established. And also, the Irish immigrants, like, benefited greatly from Tammany Hall, especially when it was in its early years and wasn't super corrupt, which it did become later in history. It's very unfortunate, but Mm. it happens to everything. But anyway, before we get into all the corruption, let's do a little bit more history. At the same time that Tammany Hall is becoming like a huge part of politics in Manhattan, um, the Irish potato famine starts. Why does it start? Because the British are the worst. Is there a single period in history where the British are not the worst? When they were like Neanderthals. So it was kind of dope to have mm. like two human races. This is true though. Competing. At one point they were getting beat up by 
the Romans quite a bit. Yep. So anytime after Rome, they were the worst. Suck! <laughs> Thank you. So anyway, in, you know, starting around 1845, you know, when that lovely thing called potato famine started, two million Irish people fled for the United States. And what happened was they fled to cities like New York City and Boston, and all of a sudden there were lots of people, some of which didn't speak any English whatsoever, and needed some type of representation because they weren't being treated fairly. Um, as a fun fact, do you know why Protestants don't treat Catholics equally? Like, at this time, of history, why didn't Protestants respect Catholics as equals? I mean, other than the fact they're like, you don't believe the same thing that I believe, so I hate you. Yeah. Other than that? Because they're both Christian, so they technically do believe the same thing. But they had like a slight difference, right? Like one's like, it's cool to do icon worship, and the one's like, no, it's not. Icon worship? Like, the Catholics are allowed to have, like, little photos and stuff of, and tokens of Jesus Christ. Oh, they have, like, saints and stuff, I guess. And then the Protestants were like, no, that's unholy. No, everybody has, like, Jesus on a cross. All right, you tell me. All right, all right. So, Protestants at this time straight up didn't think that Catholics understood or deserved liberty because they serve a pope. Oh, so we're like... You worship a human servant. And that's not great. Sure. Anyway, it's stupid. It's also the same reason that, like, a bunch of people came out against Kennedy during during his presidential election because... He's Protestant? He was Catholic. Oh. And they were like, oh my god, this guy, he's not going to be serving the people. He's going to be serving the Pope. I kind of... Wow. You why kind people, of, why people really had their own little civil wars been going on? Um, yeah, so at the time that the Irish were like primarily coming over, there was the opposition party was the Whig Party. They were in opposition to the Federalist Party. And the Whigs were just they were progressive, but they were also very Protestant and very anti Irish. So Ooh. that didn't work out very well. Who was progressive? The Whig Party. Okay. It was like, it was the primary opposition party. Well, they didn't call Wigs Wigs then? Wig. Wig? Wig. It's, like, it's, how is it spelled? W H I G. The uh, Wig party. I only heard Wig as in like a cosmetic hair piece. And I was just like. <laughs> That's how it's pronounced though. It's Wig. Yes, I'm with you, but I was just like, were wigs not called wigs then? Like, why call your name yourself after a hairpiece? That was my train of logic. But it felt differently, so I assume there's a different origin. Uh, actually, I don't think so. I'm pretty sure that they were called wigs because they had the, like, big hair things. You know, those, like, white... Oh, like the ones that the British still wear when they yeah. go to be lawyers in court? I think that's yeah. hilarious. Yeah. How many antiquated customs the British people still have. You're, you're correct. But I'm pretty sure that's also why it was called the Whig Party. Because mm-hmm. it was, like, very hoity-toity. Hoi hoi hoi. Hoi hoi. Um, okay. So. 
Instead, the Irish ended up flocking to the Democratic Party when they came over to New York City, and that meant that they were flocking to places like Tammany Hall, which resulted in Tammany Hall being really built up. In return, the Tammany Hall politicians took really good care of these new Irish Americans. The best example of this is in 1913, after the Triangle Shirtwaist Fire that killed 146 factory workers. I read about this in school. Yeah, you did. Yeah. This is probably, if you do know Tammany Hall, this is probably how you know it. Mm. Yeah. So the Tammany Hall politicians that supported the Irish Americans, who were primarily things like garment workers and factories, banded together and created the Factory Investigation Commission and created laws around child labor, minimum wages, and working conditions. Isn't that pretty awesome? They did. Yeah. They did the damn thing. They did it. Wow. So, at other times, though, Tammany Hall politicians kind of missed their mark and didn't, didn't always do the right thing. Uh-oh. <laughs> T. Yeah, so now we're going to talk about Fernando Wood, who is a very confusing politician. Um, basically, who he is, he's a dude, New Yorker, for sure, born and raised. Um, around the 1840s, he made a ton of money shipping goods to California during the gold rush. And he turned that around, decided that he was done with, you know, doing business stuff and said, I'm going to be a politician now. Mm. Great. We need more of you. Obviously. <laughs> you know what there is the labor epidemic still applies to? What? Politicians. I... So... In 1854, he eventually became the mayor of New York City after a handful of unsuccessful runs and being a house rep before that, and he was just all over the place. Um, he wasn't necessarily always a bad guy. He promoted a lot of progressive reforms, but he's also just kind of a mess. So I'm going to now quote bi the biographer Jerome Muscat, who said, he took duplicity to an extreme and made it an integral part of his operations. Rough. <laughs> Rough with that written in your biography. Oh, yeah. And here's another. This is just another fantastic quote. I, like, could not put it in. And this was from a fellow politician at the time called John Bigelow. Bigelow. Thank you who said he was the handsomest man I ever saw and the most corrupt man that ever sat in the mayor's chair. Damn, he's sexy too. <laughs> he sounds like my kind of book character. <laughs> yeah, so this guy, this guy's wild. And the reason why I got information from like this Mr. Lincoln in New York thing mm -hmm. was because he, during the Civil War, went up against Lincoln so many times. For no real reason. He was in the North. He just was like, you know who I want to mess with? The President of the United States. <laughs> so, before I get into the actual thing, I'm going to tell you a few examples of when this guy was just totally unhinged. Fantastic. Hit me with them. Yeah. Okay. So, in like 1855, I think it was, he created his own police force just 
created his own police force that went up against the existing police force because the existing police force was too corrupt. And this guy said, instead of going and fixing, fixing the corruption issue, I'm going to make my own police force. And he got arrested while actively being the mayor of New York City. Oh, that's embarrassing for him. That's so embarrassing. Oh, cringe. Yeah, this guy is rough. Man, we would have roasted this dude on TikTok so hard. So then, in 1857, he created Mozart Hall, literally in competition with Tammany Hall, even though he, like would go back and forth on being supported by Tammany Hall and not. So he just kind of, it was still, it was the same exact thing as Tammany Hall, but he said at one point, no, I don't like these people anymore, so I'm going to make Mozart Hall. This is Game of Thrones. Is it? Game of Thrones. But this with, is Game of Thrones. But with that like, in, like, colonial times, and that's so unsexy. Yeah, but also with, like, a thousand less IQ points. This is yeah. so dumb. This is one dude fighting himself. <laughs> Why people be beefing with themselves? <laughs> the motif of the story. So then, in eighteen seven, in eighteen sixty, during the Democratic National Convention, this guy decided that he was going to lead a pro-South delegation. Isn't he in the North? Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. Yeah, and in the middle of the Civil War, he all of a sudden decided that war was dumb and became an anti-war Democrat after leading a pro-South delegation. This man had a mental illness. (laughs) It was an undiagnosed mental illness. He's just like, is just all over the place. But... This is like me on Sunday nights when I'm like suddenly get the urge to do so many things. (laughs) I'm like, it's time to go to bedtime. And he's, just, he's like at the end of the war. He's like, you know what I really want to do right now? Bake a cake. <laughs> I'm really just so sick of all of this. Guys, can't we all be nice? Yeah. So now, this is the piece de resistance. Is it over now? The piece de resistance? Is it over now? No, I'm not saying it again. I like how you say the result. The Oh my god, this reminds me of a joke that me and Divya have. This is my I'm cutting you off. No. You're getting cut off. So me and Divya Let me used get to have the last calculus thing. professor. Ah! Fine, go. No, tell your story now. Okay. His name was Bonahan. Okay, oh, but no. he was very French and he used to teach us calculus in this oh. heavy French accent. And so <laughs> I used to walk out of that class and I would make fun of him to Divya because I'd be like so Professor Bonohoho <laughs> has something to say today. <laughs> Professor Bonohoho is failing me in calculus. <laughs> That's a lie. I was yeah, a very good student. That doesn't surprise me at all. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Big uh, okay, no, sorry. Finish Lucy it. learned from this one. Bonohoho. Um, okay, so the last thing that I'm going to tell you today is that this guy... In 1861, while still being in support of the South, this was before he said, guys, can we all just be friends? Um, Wood decided that New York was getting too many, or, yeah, New York State was giving too many advantages away from the output of New York City. 
and proposed that New York City should be free, get rid of all taxes for the citizens, and survive off of import taxes from other states. It's not a bad idea. It's kind of like a really unhinged idea, though. Yes. Because you would literally just have a free city in the middle of a warring nation. Yep. Yep. Doesn't exactly make sense. If we had any kind of drive or actual, like, you know, like, fire, I feel like he could have made this happen. Yeah, but this guy just... Nope. He sounds like an idea, man. Yeah. So, obviously, this was a very radical idea at the time, and a lot of people in the city and around the city were just like, no. (laughs) Obviously. Why? You want me to change my entire way of life? But also, like, everybody's sitting there just being like, there's already a war. Yeah, I don't feel like fighting another one. Yeah. (laughs) For a dumber reason. So, eventually, they did put to rest the city-state called Freeport of Triensula. Triinsula? Triinsula. He thought that was, was going to bring all the babes to the milkshake yard. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> the milkshake yard? <laughs> yeah. Do you, know what, do you know why it's called Triinsula, though? No. It Is it because of the tri-state area? No. It, it literally just means three islands. It was Manhattan, Staten, and... Long Island. Long Island. Like, my goodness. You California, get out of here. Get out of here. You California, get out of here. We tried. We tried to secede. We didn't get enough petitions for that. I forget the last island. Anyway, it was three of them, and that's why it was called Insula, and it never existed because this guy sucked. Happy birthday, Lucy. R.A.P. City State (laughs) of New York. No, City State of Triinsula. But that's harder to say. I rebranded New York. I'm walking here. You can't see it, but a taxi came, almost hit me. I slammed the hood of the taxi. And then I said, I'm walking here. Yeah. I'm going to do a quick recap. Where'd we start? Where'd we go? Why do I need? No. We started, okay, we started with the most precious human beings on the planet which is my brother and his wife, Elizabeth, and their little sweet baby, my niece, baby Lucy. Their offspring. Their offspring. So cute. An offspring uh, born in the off fall. <laughs> I'm going to push you out of your chair. Uh, they're so adorable. What a family. And then we went into talking about Tammany Hall, which, you know, there's a lot there. There's so much. And then we talked about Fernando Wood, who was, I don't know. Honestly, I think he was just really dumb. He's the East Coast world-renowned screw-up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, and that's how we got to City State. Nice. Well, in my story, we're going to start off on a different continent. The Asian continent. It starts off in the Mughal Empire. Sorry, that was... Was that funny to you? Was the Asian continent funny to you? It was the way you made awkward eye contact with me. Asian continent. I didn't say it like a dying U.S. president. Thank you very much. I said it like a normal person. Joe Biden. 
we can't get political. <laughs> Baby Lucy can't hear about U.S. politics. Baby Lucy. That's more scarring than the F word. Ageism should maybe be a little bit of a thing. That's all I'm saying about that. Oof. Oof. Don't, would you hire a 78-year-old? He didn't have a good retirement plan, okay? He has to keep working. Oh, yeah, he doesn't have millions upon millions of dollars. Muh. Muh. Anyways, Tell speaking me of muh. Asia. We start in the Mughal Empire. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dumb for making that joke, but you're dumber for laughing at it. I continue. Um, and so in the Mughal Empire, there are these... Uh, Basically, the Mughal Empire is a monarchy. There is rulers, and then there are lords. These lords are called zamindars, okay? Um, mm-hmm. We're going to talk about a system they set up then called the zamindari system. Basically, it's a feudal system where these lords would just come in, and they'd be like, yo, you're farming here. I want a portion of your crops. Ugh. Yes. Annoying. Annoying, but not terrible. It was a monarchy. It was the times. They were going with the times. They were like, I'm better than you. Classism. Give me, I don't know. Give me all, food. All you need is a famine. We're getting, we'll have a famine in the story. Oh my god. I had a famine in my story. Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> we're, Do it. Divya's doing, we're doing heart symbols to each other right now. She's doing the wrong <gasps> kind, but we'll teach her later. I'm uneducated. It's Every funny. time me and Amanda hold hands... <laughs> It makes me think of America's interracial makeup and how far you've come and how far we've yet to go. But Barack Obama, 2012. Oh, God. Um, Isn't that so beautiful? They could just hold hands and be okay with each other. In 2012. <laughs> oh, Joe, we did it. Anyways, back to Asia. The Americans are pulling us into their bullshit again. Oh, I'm so sorry. Um, so they had this feudal system, the Zamandari system, right? Cool, we did it amongst our own people. Brown people being like, I'm better than you, other brown people. Then the, we lost it for a while when the Mughal Empire fell. A lot of other things happened. and then Why did it fall? I don't know. Well, a part of my research. Do you uh, want me to Google you very quickly and tell you why the Mughal Empire fell? No, it's okay. Oh, are you Googling? I'm going to Google it because I'm actually it. really cute, curious. Okay, well, Divya is Googling this. I Googled why Mughal Empire decline. I'm going to... So, religious intolerance is Google's answer. Ah. Uh, they led to destruction of Hindu and Sikh temples and schools. It created widespread resentment and rebellion against Mughals, fragmented their kingdom, and greatly weakened their rule. And this is from Encyclopedia Britannica. Perfect. Can okay. I say something that's going to make you sad? I mean, is that not the role of all white people? Go ahead. <laughs> Isn't this why the Indian Empire is about to fall again? Oh, Rip. actually, Hindus are on top this time. Well, it's the same thing, though. Is religious intolerance like the main reason we're gonna fall? I feel like if you Google decline of India, there would be a bunch of other things. I mean, I I feel like the 
political atmosphere is kind of driving a lot of bad crap right now. Yeah, it is. I read a lot of very, very religiously intolerant articles while researching for this. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty bad. Yeah. All right. Okay. Depressing. Let's go. Moguls fell. Zamandari system went away. Mm-hmm. Then, guess who brings it back? This is a system we hate, right? Who would bring it back? Who oh. would bring this system Ooh. back? Is it the worst people in history? Uh-huh. The British? Uh-huh. And not only did they bring it back, they made it worse. Of course they did. Um, they, of course they did. The Zamandars used to be these cool brown dudes wearing nice little turbans, gorgeous jewelry. <laughs> they don't sound particularly cool. They were, they had fashion. Rich. They had a sense of style. They had culture. They had spice, okay? <laughs> well, don't talk about British and spice. That's... The Zamandars coming? Who are the Zamandars this time around? The British guys. I would bet that Queen Elizabeth would sip tea and go, oof. Mm-hmm. So spicy. <laughs> what? How's it? Oh, I'm not gonna say this. This is what? dark. What? You should probably cut this out. What? How's the cemetery dust taste now, Queen Elizabeth? Spicy. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, anyways, some of ours British guys, they now own the land. So before they were just like, hey, give me some of your crops. They're like, no, give me the land deed, and if you live on this land, you better give me enough crops, and if you don't give me enough crops, you're getting evicted. Oh my god, this is so European. See, you know why You know why Britain is the worst to people, like, outside of Britain? Mm. They practiced it on their own people first. They were like, ah, oh, yes, we have a masterpiece. Look at all this fucking money we acquired by screwing over our own people. Now let's go screw over other people. Ugh. We can get even more money. Isn't it fantastic? Oh, I hate them. Yeah, everyone hates them, truly. Yeah. Anyways, this Zamandari movement, this like whole system gets set up, works out for the British dudes really well. Guess who's pissed off? Us Indians. Mm. Um, and I want to say, just for like future reference throughout this thing, this is pre-partition India. Pre-partition India includes Pakistan, it includes parts of Bengal, it includes a lot of different countries that are now separated out. I am now referring to everyone as Indians, because in this case they technically are Indians, but you should double-check me and feel free to figure out what their actual country of origin was later. I just didn't feel like doing that for the sake of this podcast. Alright. So a lot of movements arose to give land rights back and to kind of enact fair labor laws and like we've all kind of heard of or maybe not all of us but me particularly have heard the stories of like how indians slowly rose up and took their country back for each other um kind of starts with mahatma gandhi what wait so what years are we in because i need to i need to know to put this in reference in my brain okay um right now it's it is the 20th century, but yeah. this started earlier in, like, the 19th century. Okay. Right. Like, it's so generally like the British rule of India. So, let's say, like, late 1800s to... I'm when guessing India... this is going to lead up to, like, the 1950s. 1950s, yeah. Because uh, India got... Um, Independence off. in 1947? Mm-hmm. Yeah! You know how I know? How? That's the year my grandfather was born. 
that like Christ. mentally screws with me so much that my grandfather was born the day India got its independence. That's so like close. Like us being our own country and like having not white people tell us what to do is just such a recent phenomenon. It just like screws with my head. My dad was born during segregation. Yeah. Just regularly. <laughs> what? Yeah. Um, so as part of one of these movements, okay, like a lot of them happened, a lot of them were by Gandhi, a lot of them were by other small activists, okay, across India. Mm-hmm. I was like, cool, right about some of them. The one that really stood out to me was this movement that happens in modern day Bengal. I'll let you guys know on this one, um, called the Tebaga movement. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, it started off like in the same way they were like, they didn't start off saying like, we want to abolish the system. They just started off saying hey, could you take less of our crops maybe and maybe pay us a little bit more? Like no. The, the demands were so low. Absolutely not. Mm-mm. God, what do you think this is? Well, you work hard and you expect to get rewarded for it? You know you know what they really should have done, though? They should have, like... Listen, I'm not telling them that they started their revolution in the wrong way. I'm just saying you always negotiate down. Yeah. <laughs> they should have busted in being like, we want all of our crops. Don't touch me. Well, this is spoken like a white person. Truly it is. I love negotiating. Yeah. <laughs> Do you? Yeah. <laughs> um, so they started doing, they started asking for this. And what is really different about this movement compared to other women, uh, movements is that there's so many women involved. It's actually the larger portion of protesters and activists involved in this are women. And they are, like, women in the sense of they're not just, like, on the sidelines, like, helping in, like, womanly ways, like, cooking and cleaning for the activists. These girls were, like, up and at them. And the person who really, like, headed this movement, and it, it makes me really sad because this woman does not have a Wikipedia page. Oh. Yeah. I read so many Wikipedia pages in my lifetime, and there are so many things that don't deserve a Wikipedia page. Like, I'm pretty sure Pete Davidson has his own Wikipedia page, okay? He absolutely has his own Wikipedia page. Yeah, but Bimala Maji does not have her own Wikipedia page, and she did so much good in the world. And it just, it, like, hurts my heart. Like, this girl has been through it. The first, I, like, run through, there's only, like, three or four websites that have information on her, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, but from what I'm able to gather, her history kind of starts, she was married at the age of 13 to a family of Dacoites. I didn't know what a Dacoite was, and I might be pronouncing that wrong, but it is a member of a band of armed robbers that are generally in India or Burma. So this girl was married off when she was, like, 13. This is the age I started watching Vampire Diaries. Okay? Thank you for that. Just so everyone knows. I was zooming in all photos of Stefan and screenshotting them for myself, and this woman got married to a robber. Obviously, like, these people didn't do her great. Lots of abuse. Lots of, like, repression of her as a person. Um, right around this time, like, not very soon after she got married, though, her husband passed away, and it was really bad for her, because now she was a widow, and it was right around the time of the Bengal famine of 1943. Oh my god, wait, I have a really important question for you. Mm-hmm. Please. Is this Game of Thrones? Is this Game of Thrones? Is it Game of Thrones? 
It's like Daenerys' story a little bit. Yeah. yeah. And the next part, she finds a dragon, guys. Oh, my God. And now she's ruling this band of thieves. Her hairstyles get more and more intricate as the seasons go by. Mm. Mm. She still has really good hair care. Yep. Well, no. None of that is factually true, uh-huh. just for the sake of the audience and their confusion. Uh, <laughs> oh, wait. Also, really interesting that it's all women. I'm, like, listening to a podcast about the French Revolution right now, and also, like, the initial revolution was very much also led by women. And in this case, the men were going to go and ask, and then they, when they said no, the men were just going to be like, oh, okay, I guess. And the women are the one who stood up and started, like, organizing and figuring out how to do this. I mean, so that's basically what happened, too, in the French Revolution, because the women were the ones that were like, I literally can't take care of my family. Mm -hmm. You need to do something. Yeah. And they did it themselves. This is also the plot of that movie we saw last night, Insidious. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It really is. Where the woman is like, I legitimately can't live here. I think we need to find a solution. And then the husband went. She was like, go, please go find her son. (laughs) It was great. Um, Yikes. Yes. So her husband passes away. She's a widow. She's going through the big Bengal famine of 1943. She is starving. Her kids are starving. Mm. So she joins an activist group called Mahila Atma Raksha Samiti. For short, Mars. Ah, that's so cute. Right? Yeah. It's associated with the Communist Party of India. Ah, <laughs> uh, that, that might be a little less cute depending on how they take their communism. So, I don't know too much about the Communist Party in India, and I do not want to get involved in it, so I will be staying away <laughs> from that. Um, what? So Mars is very well known. It's very active during the famine years. It organizes women and trains them in self-defense against starvation and sexual exploitation. So in this case, Communist Party, great. Yeah, there's nothing like a famine to make everybody say, I'm growing the food. Why am I not eating it? Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, So during the Tebhaga movement, which is what they're doing to fight the Zamandari system. Mm-hmm. These peasant women folk are asked to join. And this is, like, their initial thing is very much like a woman's. They're cooking for the men. They're signaling them whenever there's a threat during, like, protests. Um, but the movement does get violent at some point. Mm. And when it gets violent, the Communist Party of in- um, India withdraws their, like, support of the movement. And these women are kind of left on their own. Like, they were very much ready to support and protest, and the Communist Party re- kind of, like, withdraws. Okay. So, Bimala Maji comes in here. She organizes the these women into, like, women's committees, and they take on a bunch of different projects. I'll tell you about one of them, just to kind of... She's, like, low-key an economist. Like, the like economic solutions that people come up with to, like, help people, like, it's so creative, and it's also impactful. Mm-hmm. So, one of the ones was a Deki program. That's what it was called. Um, they borrowed paddy, like rice paddy, from land order, land owners, and they husk them on these machines called deckies, which is where it gets its name from. Did you say what was husked? Husks. Husk. Oh, husked. Like, you know how, like, when you harvest rice, it comes out in a paddy, and then you have to husk the rice to get the actual rice grains I that we eat. I actually don't know anything about rice. Well. Is it, like, corn? A, kind of, Yeah. Whoa! Very similar. Oh, At least from so... my understanding of it. 
That's so cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. So they're husking them on these machines called duckies, okay? Mm-hmm. So they're like, hey, landowners, give us the patty. We'll husk it for you. They then sold the rice in the markets, and they paid the landowners with the money they earned. So, like, this is, like, a very women's job type thing to, like, husk rice. Yeah. So basically, they're kind of, like, subletting that work. Mm-hmm. making more money off of it by selling it themselves and having the landowners sell it. They give some money back to the landowners, but mainly what it's doing is it's giving the women enough money to feed their families, but because they're in charge of the rice, which is kind of its own currency, mm-hmm. they're getting political agency. This sounds like something that's going to get them designated as witches. No, because they got power now. They hold the rice, you can't burn them. I know, but normally when they... when any woman gets power, they immediately go, it's a witch. Maybe that's just Europe. Nah, we, we have different names or different protocols in India, I think. Oh, yeah? I don't know exactly what the exact correlation would be, but I'm sure we got our own thing. Uh, I don't think witches are a big thing in India. I, I hope not. These poor women, I don't think they do very well. Mm, yeah. Oh, and um, but the biggest but, part of this Deki program is yeah. that it stops domestic abuse. In large numbers, and they were able to prove Whoa. that because these women are now in charge of feeding their families. So, wait, does that mean that they can leave their husbands? Or uh, again, there's not a lot of information on the internet about this. Oh, that's because it's women. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, so At all least they're not witches. All I know is that it did stop domestic abuse, and I assume it's because the power shift in the household went to the women. I would assume part of it's just that like they could. They could leave or mm-hmm. kick out their husbands or whatever they needed to do, yeah. right? Like, yeah. Um, and then, so remember how I mentioned this whole movement gets violent? Mm-hmm. Guess who's in charge of the violence? Our girl. My girl, Bimula. All right. Um, she kind of forms this militia called Nari Bahani, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really cool. They destroy threshing floors in yards with hoes. What it, What is a threshing floor? I assume it's some kind of farm thing that's important. Okay, okay. I actually don't know. All right, all right. Yeah, as someone who grew up in the suburbs, my family yeah. took me away from India, so I don't have to farm. You wouldn't describe yourself as a, a farmer or farmer-esque? I describe myself as a descendant of farmers. That's why I got this sexy bod. It's been <laughs> years of my ancestors pounding back those rice patties. You can't All tell, right. but I'm flexing right now. Uh, <laughs> um, they destroy these floors. They're using, like, I just love the weapons they use, okay? Because it's so, it's it's giving girl boss vibes. It truly is in the best way possible. Ugh, I don't like girl boss. Okay, what's a better word for it? Mm. 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 What's a better word for girl boss? I don't bad know. Bad B energy. Yeah, bad B. Bad B energy. Bad B, yeah. Um, yes, so they, and when they destroy the, like, threshing floors, they're using hoes. <laughs> and I meant that in the farming tool way, so it doesn't count. You remember how they were, like, taking care of the patties and everything? Mm-hmm. They took the patties, they sold them to steamers that were just passing along on the river. So they basically, Whoa. they cut them out of the deal, basically. Oh, my God. And then this is like the, what was the thing you said yesterday, uh, earlier in the podcast? Piece de resistance. The piece de resistance. So, yeah, 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 what she said. She mm. says it's so cute. 
<laughs> um, Would you call it an egg yolk? No, we're not talking about that. Cut that loose. <laughs> um, well, they're, they're weapons this time. Okay? Mm-hmm. Red flags. And I assume they said red flags in capitals, so I'm assuming this is like the communist flag. I like the idea of them just throwing down red flags. <laughs> I also do. <laughs> You're stealing from the peasant folk. Red, red flag. flag. <laughs> <laughs> um, brooms, okay. All right. Um, and chili powder. What? Isn't that <laughs> fantastic? <laughs> Did they just throwing it at people? <laughs> I'm not joking. That's the best weapon I've ever heard of because I have touched chili powder and gotten it in my eyes, and that hurts. Okay, now this just brings me back to the witch thing, right? Like, man, these, if they were in Europe, everybody would just... It's a I mean, witch. to be fair, it's 1943, so I don't think they were burning witches in Europe anymore either. I can very easily see in 1943 a bunch of Europeans just being like, oh, nope, that's a witch. All I right. could see it happening today. Could you not? No. I think we're a little bit more reasonable. You think it couldn't happen in the U.S.? Yeah, but like in reptilians. But they wouldn't have enough power to just murder women and never mind. Sorry, <laughs> they we do have many 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 people <laughs> have the power to women murder women and just get away with it. Yes, I retract my statement. Yeah. Um. Anyways, <laughs> armed with red flags, brooms, and chili powder. Okay, they go up to the landowners and they're like, "Give us the harvest." <laughs> They take the harvest from the landowners and they store it in this like big like mill factory type thing mm-hmm. for the peasants, okay? Mm-hmm. The local police and paramilitia, which are banked by the landowners, yeah. go after these women and try to subdue them. Mm-hmm. And this is, I'm quoting, they chase them out with brooms. <laughs> Isn't that, that is just such, it's bad B energy. It's I really can, I can also so much see like, where it was a very half-assed attempt by the paramilitary group. They were like, it's women! And they got their ass beat. No, but also, like, they're they're probably people that are, like, growing up in the community and stuff, if they're paramilitia, right? Like, they're probably walking into this and being like, oh, that's my actual aunt. Oh, I don't know if how much... Local police is a little weird here in British India. Sometimes okay. it is very much Indians in the police force, but it, a lot of times ends up being, like, a combination of the two. Oh. Of British people and Indian people, so... Uh, never mind. That's not so... Okay. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> Beautiful, though. It, it ends kind of sadly, though. Aww. Eventually, this, like, beautiful moment of women rising up, and they have already made a huge impact, okay? Mm-hmm. I want to let you know, before I tell you what happens, that they were successful, okay? Mm-hmm. The In a large part, due to this movement and what these women did, the Zahandari system, hold on, am I saying that? Zamindari? Hmm. Zamindari system Very was good. abolished, okay? And it was because of these women. Unfortunately... They kind of cornered them in, like, a specific village that was kind of, like, inescapable. They just, like, couldn't get out. And they brutalized these women pretty heavily. 
and then took them into arrest. Our girl, Bimala Maji, and her son mm-hmm. are kept in a cage for a month. And she's, like, she's got her own, like, a line from her biography kind of tells, like, the one of the zamindars, which are the landowners, they come by and they're like, oh, here, have some milk. Like, they're, like, handing her milk through the cage for her son. She Aww. goes, no, I'm not going to take your milk. I would be like, it's my son. I don't know. I always feel weird about these... I feel weird about the people who kept her in a cage and then was like, I'm, you know what, I'm going to throw your away some milk. Like, I mean, yeah, that's terrible. It's also like, if they are... If you're... Look, here's the deal, okay? She is someone who's been through a lot. Yeah. And she has very little that she can stand on. And one of those things is her principles. And so I, I really admire her for staying for where she is. And I think, like, in especially in British India, that was, like, kind of all our people had. So I get it. I know, like, it's hard. If you, it felt hard. If it feels hard for you to say that, imagine how hard it is for her to say no to her someone giving her son milk. I know. So that, like, that's where we were at in India. Like, it makes me very upset. But that is where we were at. That's fair. The ultimate point of this is, it's very upsetting. Yes. Yes, sadness. Should never have happened. It really shouldn't have. I don't think, I don't know why in 1943 we thought it was okay to put a woman and a child in a cage and watch them dance. You know what I mean? You know, if we're talking about 1943, it's not just happening in India. (laughs) Yep. No, facts. Yikes. Um, Over 140 court cases are filed against this woman, and she's detained for two, like two and a half years, basically up until the partition of India. But she is released, and she continues to do really important activist work mm-hmm. for the rest of her life. So this woman continues to be a bad bee. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, so this system that we talked about, the Zamindari system that got abolished during the partition of India, sadly, the system has children. One of the other systems that very similar to the Zamindari system, and it is argued in some papers that it actually... Like, they took inspiration from it, which is not too far of a leap, actually, to me. One of the systems is the Kangani system. So, remember, we were in Bengal, Mm -hmm. northern India. Yeah. Kangani system um, is in Tamil Nadu, which is where I'm from. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Um, I can provide some Tamil perspective on this. The word Kangani is, like, someone who sees all... Um, so Kun is I, and mm-hmm. Ghani is just, like, the person who. Um, so that's where that name comes from. So it's, like, a very much a Tamil name. Um, it's basically, like, this is very similar, but the um, instead of, like, having the Zamandars, like, the British people get Indian people to work for them, they did it a little... They turned our people on each other, basically. The employer of these, like, lands, like, the person who owns the land will pay someone, like, a foreman, um, and that's a Kangani, okay? Okay. It's a very much a Tamil person mm-hmm. to recruit laborers from his hometown or by illegal coolie trade, which is basically, like, um, you've heard of, like, indentured yeah. servitude? Yeah. That's basically what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And the worst part about this, and I don't know if you know too much about the caste system, it heavily yeah. capitalizes on the untouchables. Yeah. So, once again, classism, very sad. 
and in this case, the like why we're doing this, they wanted to cultivate a lot of tea in South India. Mm-hmm. And they the problem with what was going on in South India is that there's a lot of thick, unhealthy forests around where they wanna so they need it needs to be cleared. Unhealthy? That's the word they used. Huh? Alright. I think it's unhealthy for the tea to be grown. Like it's like it's unfertile? No, like it's too much vegetation. Oh. Like Okay. You know All what right. I mean? Uh, I, it's overcrowding of the plants. Mm. Okay. Right. Uh, the labor supply in these dense forests are obviously very sparse. And one obvious, very, very obvious solution is they could have paid these workers, like, really high wages, right? Yeah. And people would have migrated. Yeah. But... Mm, they didn't want to. Yeah. They were like, I don't want to pay these workers well. Sure. And because it's tea... It's kind of weird. They need all. They need men, women, and children. So they need like families because each person kind of has its own role in terms of what they do on the plantation. They yeah. needed a Tammany Hall. <laughs> there should be no child labor. Yeah, really. <laughs> but the government, because it is puppeted by, puppeteered by the British government, yeah. actually like prevented laws from being passed and continued to state, hey, these laws don't exist, so you can work children under 10. Just letting you guys know, like, they would pass around, like, la- like surveys around the people, and it would, hey, hey, did you know? Like a, like a PSA? Yeah. are just like, guys. By the way. FYI. You do not have rights. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Ow. So, very similar, um, except now the Zamindars are Kanganis, and the Kanganis are not the British people, they're the Tamil people. Thankfully, this stuff gets abolished in 1956, okay? Um, A little bit later, obviously, than when the Zamindari system got um, abolished. Yeah. Just makes sense with how things go and where priorities are given generally in India. Yes. but what else do I want to tell you about this? Oh, I want to tell you, and this really means nothing to anyone but me, 80% of the labor comes from Madurai and Thirunavelli, which are places where my family lives. Ah. Um, so it is very possible that, like, because of the caste that I am, I am from, like, the farmer caste, mm-hmm. it's very possible that my people were somehow involved in this. Either we were the Kanganis or we were the people getting conned by the Kanganis. And knowing my family and our shade of luck on things, we were probably getting exploited. Um, Why am I talking about the system? Well, this system is very responsible for bringing laborers and farmers to Singapore in the 19th century. So not only were they utilizing this stuff in our hometown... They were using this as a way to export people to Singapore to get them to work and farm there. This is this is how my friend Trudy's family ended up in Singapore. I bet, yeah. yeah. Singapore oh, okay. has become, um, and I don't have any real proof for this, but I'm sure you can find some cultural documents. But like, just from like, I have family in Singapore, or I have family that has family in Singapore. Mm-hmm. Singapore has become a home away from home for people. Yeah, um, it is very much like they go back to India and they're like, oh, never mind. Singapore. Yeah. Uh, we, at the time uh, that, like, by 1860, we have 13,000 Indians on the island. A majority of those are Tamil people. Mm-hmm. They're the second largest ethnic group after the Chinese at the time. 
And so when Singapore goes and ratifies itself and decides to become a city state, um, they look, take a look, they survey the population, and when they're deciding their national languages, it becomes Malay, Mandarin, both Singaporean and Chinese, English, and then Tamil. I yeah. didn't know that. Tamil is one of the five national languages of Singapore. Whoa. That means it is on signs and government documents. And it's literally everywhere. And I was very surprised by this. And I only figured out, I think I kind of knew Tamil was one of the languages of Singapore. But I was surprised because I went on the Wikipedia page and it was like, it lists Singapore, but in every single one of the national languages. And one of them, I was like, that's Tamil. I recognize that script. I can't read it, but I can recognize it. <laughs> and it was like really cool. Yeah. A lot of people, just for like context, the official languages of India, Hindi and English. Yeah. So in India, when Tamil people want to go places or do things, they have to learn how to read Hindi or they have to learn how to read English, except in like our specific state. Right. So in Singapore, in that it's like it becomes more of a home in a way. Yeah. Um, another big thing is like. Tamil people kind of congregated and they had a lot of like labor movements, um, pride movements of like the million pride. And they ended up taking like these two streets and like hosting a bunch of shops and things there. Mm -hmm. And it became like little India. <laughs> and so like a lot of people who go to Singapore, they're like, you can get really good dosa and sambar on this specific street in Singapore. And it's like exactly like south indian food so yeah that is my story oh yeah that's so cool yeah really like that humble oh. pride yeah that's yeah i like i kind of very vaguely knew about the india singapore connection but mm -hmm. i had no idea the whole time that like, your story was leading up to that uh, that's really cool yeah what's the, the topic for next week uh, the topic is Lighthouse. Lighthouse? Lighthouse? Oh my Ooh. god. He's catering to my people. How do you know? We could have lighthouses. I'm from Rhode Island. Everywhere has lighthouses. Yeah, but there's like... I thought you were talking about Ireland. Because Ireland has lighthouses. Well, yeah, but I'm talking about Rhode Island. Rhode Islanders. Lighthouses. Coastline. We put it on t-shirts. Because we're nerds. <laughs> All of Rhode Islanders. <laughs> nerds. Oh, you know. It's, it's a weird little Rhode Island pride. Uh, I don't really understand it. Um, all right. Well, I guess with that, we can close out. Mm -hmm. So we've been pretty consistent about this. So you'll hear from us again in about two weeks. Thanks for listening. And remember, always ask yourself, how did we get here? <laughs>